Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for December 13th, 2020, the third Sunday in Advent. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you this morning? I am doing well. Happy day after St. Nicholas Day. Yes, yes. For those uh, who uh, may, may not have had a chance to, uh, or uh, just simply haven't uh, haven't checked out our uh, our YouTube uh, um, videos. Uh, we had a fun interview uh, yeah. style uh, with uh, with Saint. Uh, I'll do it in quotes. Uh, Saint Nicholas, yep. and uh, very informative, very well done uh, um, by uh, Mr. Bob Murray, and of course Saint Nicholas himself. Um, <laughs> not another person. And pretending to be Saint Nicholas, that would be and ridiculous. not wearing not wearing any kind of red costume or big black belt. Right, so right, right. Does not conflict with any family household tradition type things. Yes, yes, uh, but uh, but yeah, very good uh, um, um, portion of Sunday's service was uh, Saint Nicholas. And in fact, actually, now that I say that out loud on the podcast, I should make myself a note to maybe tidy that up and make it its own post. Yeah, that'd be um, nice. Uh, and uh, and and put that on on the page because it, it was a uh, for for anybody who is interested in the story of Saint Nicholas and uh, which is kind of uh, you know uh, the, the the groundwork for some uh, um, Santa Claus esque uh, concepts ideas uh, the person himself uh, and <laughs> uh, if you're if you have questions about uh, his life and. Uh, uh, what took place and and uh, uh, what his uh, interests were and how he served his community. It was, it's a great um, little c- kind of Q&A uh, yeah. back and forth. Uh, so uh, I'll try to, I'll make, I'm making myself a note right now to put that on uh, the uh, the website, on, on our, our YouTube channel uh, so that... Uh, um, it's easily but, accessible. Yeah, so there we go. Saint Nick video is on my to-do list for today. <laughs> so, with, Don't with forget, that... buy lots of presents. <laughs> <clears throat> I was more thinking or uh, tangerines. Uh, yeah, that's on, true. That'd be uh, better for Saint Nicholas. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, so that was that was great uh, this this past Sunday. We are this is like I said uh, at the top. This is the third Sunday of Advent. Um, um, which is a, a good time to take this opportunity to uh, speak to the parents, aunts and uncles, uh, uh, godfathers, godmothers uh, in the audience. Uh, uh, this is the third Sunday in Advent. If you have not started shopping for your thoughtful gifts, whether they be uh, uh, pricey or inexpensive, homemade or store-bought, uh, you're running out of time. <laughs> so... so uh, uh, Christmas is right around the corner, which is again something else I'm writing down right now. <laughs> there we go. Check Christmas. that list twice. <laughs> uh, I, I I have to admit uh, the 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 uh, self admission I am awful at pre planning uh, like Christmas related presents normally. And yeah. then uh, 2020 Christmas is, it just, I, I'm so lost on the timeline <laughs> that it Yeah, doesn't... you can only get a person so many face guards, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, absolutely. And, and, 
and uh, uh, I've lost, like I said, all sense of time. So yeah, uh, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. The fact that Christmas is around the corner is uh, exciting, surprising, confusing, uh, all at once. And uh, <laughs> yeah, never has a home advent wreath been so important to my sense of time. <laughs> Okay, yeah. two candles, two candles. Oh my goodness, <laughs> going on <laughs> two, three. <laughs> two candles up, two candles down. <laughs> we're yeah. getting close. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. But uh, uh, we are we're uh, the, the beginning parts of the lectionary year, but uh, the the uh, tail end of the calendar year, and uh, looking forward to uh, what I'm going to call now. I'm going to call it now. It'll be a white Christmas. Oh, now I that love that. Now that it's in the podcast, uh, God has no choice but to see it through. Uh, so we did it. Good job, guys. Well, and, and something <laughs> that literally did just occur to me as you said that is this would be an ideal year for a massive snowstorm since everyone's pretty much supposed to stay in place. Stay, yeah. Stay home. So, you know, wouldn't interfere with family visits and things like that for the most part. Yeah. It, getting would, to church. it would be great. And I think also uh, that's also making me realize like this year I might never shovel my driveway. <laughs> Because why? <laughs> the hockey rink will be found at and now say yeah. address. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what's the point? Let's uh <laughs> There's there's a good way for the for, for the local local government to uh, effectively enforce a shutdown is like we're just not sending out the salt trucks or the plants. Right. <laughs> Stay in place. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have, I'm realizing now I'm going to definitely have a lack of motivation, uh, <laughs> to shovel the driveway this year in particular, as if I needed an excuse. Yeah. To begin with. Um, but yeah, goodness. Uh, so, uh, with all that, uh, uh, uh having been said, let's <laughs> redirect ourselves and focus on, uh, uh, our word of the day. Uh, uh-huh. Last week was a T word. This word, uh, week, there's no U words in the EpiscopalChurch.org library. Wow. Uh, yeah, none. Um, so if you can come up with one, Bruce, I will submit it to them. They have a little <laughs> contact us. I'm just thinking at least, you know, we have in there's, there's Episcopal be lore, we have so many <clears throat> words from foreign languages. Yeah. There ought to be something in there. Yeah. So, so a, a little, a little fun side project. If you can come yeah. up with a U uh, uh, style word, uh, uh, um, then I will, I will be happy to submit it to the uh, to, <laughs> to the uh, Episcopal Church on Second Avenue in New York uh, for submission. Uh, but uh, today's word instead is votive. Votive. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, let's see where to start. It. It's used in all sorts of ways. The one that people will be most visually familiar with are votive candles. Right. Which um, are the... Some people have only seen them in movies, admittedly, since Holy Family doesn't have a, a votive candle rack, but many Episcopal mm-hmm. churches do, and almost all Roman Catholic churches do, and many uh, Orthodox churches as well. Anyway, it's the candles that often are in a... Uh, red glass holder so it looks really pretty when they're lit mm-hmm. and they are uh, a candle that one lits when making a special prayer to God and part of the intent is that anyone who sees that burning basically says God I don't know what that's for but please bless that 
intention and the person who made it. How's that? So, so the dictionary goes a totally different direction. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of the reason why I wanted to pick it. Because, again, yeah, I think most people go to the votive candle uh, and think of... It, it, and, and you are right that, the, that those are absolutely 100% called votive candles. Uh, and that is the purpose of the votive candles. But votive is actually uh, a... a uh, is termed for a Eucharistic celebration. So apparently it's an actual eucharist style um i don't want to call it service necessarily uh but it, the definition says it's a eucharistic celebration in which the proper uh, collect psalms and readings concerning a particular uh, uh devotion are utilized and mm -hmm. a votive may be chosen for pastoral reasons when no other celebration is required by the calendar of the Church of the Year. So it's actually referring to a, 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 a Eucharistic celebration, a, a service of, of sorts. Um, well, yeah, but it, it and where what's referring to is having a service with a special intention. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it connects with the votive candles, which are gotcha. prayers with a special intention. Right, right, right. So the, yeah, that was the connective tissue. But like I said, the the the, the Episcopal uh, Church Library went more on the yeah. service aspect as opposed and, and, and steered away from uh, um, the the lighting of of a candle re relating to a prayer. Um, um, right. Hour. Well, it, so it, they it doesn't require heavily. hardware. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can. Because you, you can do a votive service without doing a Eucharist. It could be a morning prayer or evening, even song or something like that. So, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's the underlying connection, like you said, is the, the common thread of having a special intention for that service, for the sick, for um, peace, for good harvest used to be really popular for a votive, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And there are yeah, but, directions in the prayer book how to do each intention, what readings to use and prayers to use. Yeah, uh, they, they, uh, the, the definition does point out that the Book of Common Prayer provides 25 different propers that would fall into this, mm -hmm. uh, um, this category of, of being a votive, uh, including of the Holy Trinity, of the Incarnation, for the departed, for the unity of the Church, and for vocation in daily work as being... Uh, some of the more uh, common ones or, or, or recognizable ones. Um, yeah, and the yeah. Uh, prayers that are included are, are so helpful. If you don't know quite what you want to say to God, but you have the an idea of what the topic is, going through those um, is a possibility that a lot of people overlook. They go perhaps to the back of the prayer book where there are all sorts of different prayers listed for young people and things like that. But closer mm -hmm. to the front, those colics for different occasions often hit the nail on the head yeah and and uh the other thing that i was going to say about that is yeah you're absolutely right this is uh this is yet again evidence of there, there are people who have come before you who have thought long and hard about some of these things mm -hmm. so uh, uh i don't know if uh those listening are like myself but sometimes words fail me um or more appropriately for me i babble um <laughs> incoherently and not in and, yeah, not speaking in tongues <laughs> exactly and uh these uh these words are carefully uh have been 
carefully thought of, uh, thought about, mm-hmm. written down, chosen for different events, and, and uh, often if you are, ever... are relatively ancient, so they've they've also oh, yeah. been modified through time to get better and better. Yeah, and uh, if you, if you get a, the chance to read through some of them, especially as uh, uh, different um, concerns come up in your life or or events occur, um, reading through them, I think you, you will find uh, that there's a lot of useful words for you and those around you in that time mm-hmm. um, where like, if you're really not sure what to pray for or you're really not sure what to consider uh, at the time, it's, it's, it's really helpful uh, to, to read uh, what has been prepared uh, because it kind of helps you focus and, and, and kind of hone your, your thoughts on, on what your, actually, your actual concern is. Um, yeah, it draws you out of your own preconceptions. Right, 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 right. And it's not, I, I have found, I, th- I know a lot of people are a little concerned about those pre-prepared sec- sections as then putting them in a position where all they're doing is just simply going through the motions. And I, I have to say, from my perspective, I've encountered uh, some of these pre-prepared sections with that mindset. And then by the time I get through it, it was... A realization of like oh that was not as <laughs> i actually did get drawn into that pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty well uh and and uh um it it became meaningful for for me individually um uh, as a result so uh, i book a common prayer as always and forever will be a a uh, a wonderful uh, uh source resource for you uh, uh and it's there's many pages for a reason <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So speaking of many pages, uh, let us move on uh, to the book of many pages. Uh, Isaiah, which is our first reading here, uh, chapter 61. Uh, we're going to do a little hopping around here in 61. It's uh, verses 1 through 4, and then 1, 2, skip a few into 8 through 11. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the Lord brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness 
and praise to spring up before all the nations. Um, <clears throat> chapter 61, I'm a, this is third Isaiah. Yep. yep. Uh, so this is the, um, this is, uh, is this significantly further? This is significantly further uh, than uh, the last Isaiah reading right. uh, by, by 21 chapters. So at this point, I'm yeah, assuming. So by roughly 20 years or so. Okay. So I'm assuming that they're they are now back in their homeland, repairing, rebuilding, um, mm-hmm. uh, in that yes. process. Yeah, um, and and facing the challenges of rebuilding a devastated land. Yeah, yeah, which would be many. I mean, it's, yeah, in a way, it's, it'd be far easier to settle in a in a in a new place than try to, to go back and. Yeah, the old thing rebuild. is to to be flip about. It, it's easier to build fresh than remodel a house. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And um, there is a ton of imagery, poetic imagery in this. Uh, verse three makes me think of specifically almost like the armor of God section in the New Testament, where it's like a you know put on the you know the 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 breastplate of righteousness and the, you know, the, well, like guess these... where that came from? <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if it does, if, if it did. Um, yeah, Cause the, the imagery of the armor of God occurs a couple different places in Isaiah. So it, it, it's a callback. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the images here in verse three is kind of explained later. Uh, give them a garland instead of ashes. The garland, uh, I guess, apparently refers to a wedding ceremony, and I would assume ashes ins- would instead refer to a funeral, or, or or a repentance ceremony. Okay, okay. So uh, a, a a a a which is then repeated in the next portion of the section, mm-hmm. but the concept being a time of of, of happiness instead of sadness. Uh, the right. oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, which is kind of an interesting mm-hmm. then adjustment to that that language. Um, they will be called the oaks of righteousness. Um, th- th- that's kind of an interesting. I, I know later we t- get into like in verse eleven, uh, it starts getting into the imagery of. Uh, planting in a field and and growing crops but um this call here in verse three the uh, the oaks of righteousness seems kind of odd i'm trying to i mean there's a lot of tree imagery in in different things in the bible uh oftentimes it's relating if i remember right uh relating to um uh, more of like an image of of your descendants uh, and and maybe the the um, the house of Israel or 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 the or the, uh, the 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 land of Israel and and her different tribes and and kind of like standing the test of time is it calling on that kind of an image or yeah well, it's, okay um you know, j- j- <laughs> there's no better tree to have for building for burning for shade um it's yeah i was gonna ask about this though are there oak trees in the sinai peninsula is there is that i don't recall those 
being indigenous to that region. I, I have to admit, I don't know whether they're in natives or not, but by this point, you know, the, the area of Jerusalem and all had been occupied for by hum, humans and, and mm-hmm. cultivated and all that for generations, generations, generations. And so even if they weren't native, they easily would have been transplanted and cultivated uh, by the time uh, 500 BC rolls around, which is roughly when this is being written. Um, okay. I, 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 I did a quick Google search on my yeah. own, uh, my own question. There are oak trees in the region. I was just more thinking of, uh, the images of trees that I've seen, uh, before in, in and around Jerusalem and, and, and the, the area. Okay. Yeah. Cause, um, cause one of the things to, to think about is that that area has been urbanized for thousands of years really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so whatever particular native tree survives is almost by dumb luck mm. and you go a little bit basically in a direction out of jerusalem and then you do get more into some forests and things like that where oaks and cypress and other trees can grow natively and um, you might see somewhat what the prophet was envisioning or mm-hmm. was, um, the, how the Holy Spirit was in inspiring the prophet to write about oaks. Right. Yeah. The um, So uh, this section, is there, it seems as though the prophet is uh, uh, encouraging the, the people to not give up on the idea of rebuilding, reminding them uh, that they are, uh, in, in chosen for this that God, that, that God is behind them uh, in and, and a part of this process of rebuilding and uh, um, that it, it uses a lot of imagery that says like oh we're, and we're gonna be successful um, mm-hmm. is there is there that seems to be the general sense of it is, is there are there other aspects of this that you would want to draw attention to though? Well, this, I mean, what it says alone is pretty amazing. I mean, that ain't encouraging. Because the you know, picture the folks have, have gotten back to Judea. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're not two stones sitting on top of each other. And the fields have gone to seed or to weeds. And mm-hmm. they're no longer the center of trade like they were when they left. Uh, because the city had died off so much. I mean, just layer upon layer of economic and, and physical deprivation. And so to, to hear from the prophet these words, at first probably a lot of people were going, yeah, right. Um, but hopefully they were moved by them and therefore encouraged to keep on the rebuilding part. And part of the encouragement here is, it's going to even be even better than it was before. So you're not just mm. trying to recreate the past. Things are going to be even more spectacular than you remember or your grandparents remembered. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and also recognized uh, throughout, not just within, uh, within their own borders, mm-hmm. but rec- recognized among the nations, um, uh, 
um, and the people um, throughout will. Yeah, and part of that is both you know, ego boost. Ooh, we're a great country now and people really respect us. But it also is an economic promise that they'll, mm-hmm. the trade routes will be reactivated because it's worth going there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so those of you who, which was a major portion of the population, made your living directly or indirectly through trade will in fact have those professions restored. And okay. You will be able to feed your families again. Hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, in, interestingly enough, uh, uh, words that carry a little bit more um, <laughs> uh, recognition, I think, to our listeners uh, uh, at this point in time of, of returning to normalcy, yeah. of, of not being, um, uh, uh, God has not forsaken us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In this time, um, uh, in other years, uh, may may have uh, uh, kind of hit our ear uh, every once in a while or, or intermittently. Uh, but I think maybe this year, a lot more prominently, like, oh, okay, yeah, this still has meaning. Yeah, <laughs> I can might, find, I can relate. It's easy to imagine these being seen as sort of quaint in some other past advent seasons whereas yeah mm-hmm. now it's a lot easier oh, i really need to hear this this year yeah for sure for sure um anything else about the isaiah reading um no i think we hit everything that i was that okay. i was thinking of yep uh uh then let us move on to our new testament reading which is first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 through 24 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, he, and he will do this. Um, First Thessalonians, uh, again, we're not really going in order in the season right. of Advent for the New Testament reading. We're kind of sticking around in, in uh, the book of Isaiah for the most part. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about the book of uh, Thessalonians, the first book of Thessalonians. Sure. Who's the, the author here? This is definitely Paul, and okay. it's actually believed to be the very first letter that, we, at least the first letter we have, that Paul wrote. So this is the earliest writing in the New Testament. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and, and that's it's, why it's one of the shortest. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Paul got worthier uh, as he went along. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you're, if you're reading along uh, in a Bible that has the verses numbered, you might have... It, if you're just listening, you 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 might have very easily not caught on to the fact uh, that these verses are short. Uh, these <laughs> these verses are like the equivalent of like nine uh, and Jesus wept <laughs> uh, <laughs> lengths. And uh, uh, so, but if you're reading in the a Bible uh, directly in front of you on your phone and in, in a physical uh, a paper form you would notice like man these verses are going really fast 
which is not Paul's style, <laughs> right? <laughs> that I know, um, uh, and and the way that it's spaced out almost makes me think of a of a poem or kind of like a haiku mm-hmm. or something, uh, because of how short most of the verses are. Um, yeah. yeah, and I I haven't read this anywhere. Uh, but I haven't read everything by any measure that um, has been written about First Thessalonians. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is sort of Paul's um, elevator speech, we call it today. Uh, oh, okay. It comes near the very end of the letter, and he's begin- he's summarizing his theology that he really wants the Thessalonians to remember him preaching in person. Mm. Okay. And, you know, I think that's one reason why we have it in Advent as a reminder of what it means to live as a Christian. Yeah, 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 it It, it does, um, as you pointed out, this is the, this is the very end of uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians. This is, uh, chapter 5 ends at verse 28, the part that we're missing uh, here, uh, the, the four verses are, Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I think this is an NIV version, so it's not quite the same. Uh, as There's only be. a couple words different in the yeah, New Revised Standard. But the concepts are the same. Um, and uh, so, so, yeah, that, that does seem... I, I could see this as kind of like an elevator speech. That makes that makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, with which each with each of these being an individual point uh, that he is making. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do not quench the spirit. Uh, do not despise. These are these are almost like his <laughs> uh, spiritual ten commandments in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he it's just kind of going down. A, a list in a ways, but yeah, it, it does surprise me that this is Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he hadn't quite um, developed his wordy style that we see in his later letters. Yeah, this is this is before he joined Debate Club. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's kind of hard to kind of hard to find too much to say about it because of how succinct it is and direct uh there's not really like uh the the um there, there's no opportunity to play in like the pool of the language like we do in isaiah of like right. what does this mean and what does this imagery mean and and he's he's like uh to the point here in his his final uh, words of his his first the first book of the New Testament here. <clears throat> well, um, I can say a few things. Okay, uh, please. Yeah, one is that this we often as Americans look at the Bible through the eyes of an individual, whereas these verses really are meant for a community, mm. and so it it it's not always clear because we have to we have to stop and think about it but these are instructions to how to live together as a community they're mm. not how do you have a better day as you walk as an individual through life 
and particularly in contemporary Christianity, we often see it as, you know, wall plaque material to look at as we go out the door. Whereas really it should be wall plaque material as you walk into a gathering of people, wherever that is, work or church or wherever. Hmm. Um, And so in some ways it's, it's wisdom about how can people live together in difficult times because you know, Christianity was not really wasn't even called Christianity yet, and right. so these this these are really, um, I mean don't mean this in a pejorative way. These were primitive times for Christians, where they really didn't know how to do church, and they didn't know how to live together as people who were generous and servants to one another as jesus called people to be so when you put them together with a in contrast to a pretty selfish greek culture which this community was written to it it, it's an interesting counter to what the majority of people around them would have seen as how they should live to to look out for themselves and eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we may die um mm-hmm. and that sort mm-hmm. of thing and here he is saying if you're going to survive as a community of worshipers together and and servants to one another into the wider community keep these things in the forefront of your behavior um and the other thing about it is very little of this, unless you do an immediate interpretation, has to do with attitude. It's instead about behavior. Hmm. And, and a lot that's basically just, it's not a condemnation of our current, as in for the last 200 years or so, interest and motivation and that sort of thing of a human. But instead talking about, and what I'm trying to say is that Paul was talking about, if you're going to survive as a Christian community and, and the Thessalonians were doubtful whether they could survive as a Christian community focus on how you behave don't don't worry gotcha. about how much faith you have instead focus on are you praying are you rejoicing are you putting down people or lifting up people um, are you abstaining from evil and mm-hmm. if you're doing these behaviors then verse 24 the one who calls you is faithful and he will take care of you. Hmm. You know, it, 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 you, what you just said uh, uh, sparked a realization uh, to me uh, that um, you're right. We do, we do have a tendency to read uh, these things uh, as individual mandates uh, because we, we, we do kind of view things often through that lens. Mm-hmm. But it also made me realize that um we only do that when it's convenient <laughs> because oftentimes when when it's uh, there's when something goes wrong or something isn't quite right we don't stick with that individual mindset we then shed our we have a tendency to shed uh responsibility uh personal personal responsibility uh, or liability in a situation and then go back into that group think and like, well, here's all the reasons why, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this happened. And it's because uh, of 
this person did that, this, and another person yeah. did that, and everything is working against me, or something didn't go right, and it's certainly not my individual fault. I don't have any uh, individual responsibility to address it, to fix it, to deal with it. Um, <laughs> and it's every this more wider uh, conglomerate uh, of wrongdoing that is has is beset against me. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that we've, we've, we, we do lean on that individualism, uh, when reading some of this and, and avoid, um, uh, or, or maybe I shouldn't say avoid, but we don't go into, um, thinking communally, mm -hmm. uh, as often as we should, uh, unless it goes wrong, in which case. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and, and that actually reminds me of one thing that I, I, I plan to say about the Isaiah passage by hand remembered is that one of the things the prophet um, was dealing with was people because things were not easy when they returned to Jerusalem and the area, the prophet was dealing with people going back to pagan rituals and superstitions thinking that might help things get better. Mm. And that that's, you know, that's an underlying theme throughout the Hebrew scriptures that we also should pay attention to uh, because we often fall into superstitions even unconsciously when things aren't going well and say, you know, we, we have to put up the Christmas tree exactly as we've done it for the last 20 years. Otherwise <laughs> Christmas won't come. It's like, eh, right. It's going right. to be here no matter what. <laughs> right. Or, or this year, especially it'll be worse than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that, that's that's interesting, and I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Especially, I mean, the gospel readings are kind of uh, uh, story-based traditions, and there's still those, uh, I, I would, I'm sure, um, um, instructions that are that are congregational or group. Yeah. Um, uh, but by and large, they're still story-based stories. So I'll, st I'll definitely have to keep kind of an eye out for, especially in Pauline yeah. letters. Uh, the interpretation of this is not an individual directive uh, mm -hmm. to uh, the con written to the congregation, but intended to be internalized individually. It's uh, it's language that is giving group instruction uh, right. to the congregation uh, to, to work together. Yeah. Maybe hmm. the way to think about it is that in uh, ancient Judaism, ancient being 2000 years ago um, and Therefore, in Paul's formation, teaching and theology and spirituality starts in the community and then filters out to the individual. Whereas in modern Western spirituality, including often Judaism, it starts with the individual and then filters up to the congregation. Hmm. And it's, it's, a, you know, it's an obviously an opposite dynamic and it really shifts how spirituality is experienced, how it can be taught, um, how it, the process of it maturing, all those things that makes it quite different from today, from how uh, Paul was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, very interesting. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to the gospel reading then, shall we? Yes. John chapter one, uh, verse six through eight and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Um, okay, so my first question, I have several here. Okay. My first question, though, is uh, we go through the, 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 the list. Who, who are you? Are you this person? No, no, no. The prophet. Are you the prophet? Um, what does that mean? Because obviously the Messiah is not a prophet. The Messiah kind of sta mm -hmm. concept stands on its own. Elijah, though, however, was a prophet, but again, as a prophet, kind of stands on his own. And the question is not, are you a prophet? The question is, are you the prophet? What is that referring to? Like, like a couple things. Okay. Um, first, there was at that time a belief and and this may still be a belief within Judaism, I'm not sure, that the precursor of the Messiah coming would be Elijah and perhaps Moses or another prophet. There was discussion okay. about who that prophet might be. It could be Moses, um, could be a Isaiah-type prophet. There was discussion around that. And one of the nice things about Judaism is they didn't feel they had to nail it down because it was going to happen even if they didn't have the right name, they'd say, oh, it was you all along. Okay, let's let's do this. Uh, whereas I think a lot of Christians would be, no, we have to know exactly who it is. Um, <laughs> In that tone, too. Exactly yeah. exactly right. Um, that is that is how I sound. <laughs> Sorry, I want a cookie, and I want to know who the prophet is. Um, I, I do. I, the, the, yes to both of these. You know, you know me really well. Even from miles away, <laughs> we remotely do this. Uh, yeah, so it's, um, and one of the interesting things, particularly by the time the Gospel of John was written down, which is the last of the Gospels um, that we have, last mm -hmm. of the Gospels in the Bible. Uh, the, boy, I'm not getting the words in the right order. Of the four Gospels in the Bible, John was the last one created written down inspired mm -hmm. by the holy spirit etc um so we know by that point there was in the wider neighborhood of jerusalem we know from sources like the dead sea scrolls and such that there were lots of very faithful jews actively looking for a spiritual messiah not just the military one that 
many Christians are taught was expected, and that mm-hmm. is more referred to in the other three Gospels. But um, John was very aware of these different uh, groups of Jews who were looking for the, the spiritual Messiah, and part of the theology that was afoot was different groups saying, okay, we we think Elijah should come and we think, and then fill in the blank about which um, prophet should be. Moses would have been the most popular choice. So mm-hmm. the readers of John would have known exactly what this was about. And okay. for us though, yeah, we have to do a little bit of historic research and see what the context was. Hmm. Um, so in a way though, I mean, if he is not the prophet, who was? Well, that's the thing. Is fast forward in the Gospels, and and there it's highlighted in the Synoptic Gospels, and so not John. There's the story of the Transfiguration, mm-hmm. where it's it's a little bit before Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the last time, is is arrested, crucified, and resurrected, and on the mountaintop he meets with elijah and moses that this is the story where peter says oh we should build you booths we should build you houses to stay. right mm-hmm. um so there's it's quite possible that in the synoptic gospels they deal with those questions with that story whereas john is dealing with th- those questions with this story hmm. so yeah we know yeah uh, we, we know, just, just to be clear, um, uh, the book of John uh, was not written by this John, two different Johns, common name. Uh, and, and in fact, right, right, uh, not John the Baptist. The, the author, John, um, as you can kind of tell, because we kind of cover a similar portion of this story last week from Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've said in the past couple of podcasts, uh, um, Mark was a little a little short i think a lot that a lot of a lot of people felt didn't go in depth enough yeah it was was the first uh and john so all the later gospels were a little bit longer uh and focused on on um different individual stories in more detail and you can kind of tell that john here is spending more time uh dealing with john the baptist uh and i believe that's because he also has kind of an ulterior motive right of separating uh, John the Baptist away from Christianity a little bit, right? If, I, a if lot I'm of not it. mistaken. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The uh. other thing that a lot of Christians would never occur to them is, and we talked about this in past podcasts, is that John the Baptist followers continued to, to follow the teachings of John the Baptist after Jesus came on the scene. That the mm-hmm. Gospels imply that especially once john the baptist was arrested and especially especially after he was killed all the john the baptist followers automatically just crossed the street and went to become followers of jesus but in john he john is very focused at times on how some of the followers did and some of them didn't and that discussion will continue on through the early chapters of John quite quite often. And hmm. consequently, that's one of the ways we know that that was a huge concern for Christians 
around the year 90, which is when we think this gospel was written, as opposed to the 60s for the other gospels, that mm -hmm. those John the Baptist followers were not coming to the Messiah. To They weren't coming to Jesus. Instead, they kept saying, no, we don't think the person that John the Baptist was saying he was saying was coming was Jesus. Uh, mm. And there's some evidence that the John the Baptist... Um, I'm purposely using the wrong term just because it's easier to use. Churches persisted for hundreds of years after the death of John mm. the Baptist and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. Mm. And there's nothing and, wrong and, with that. He was he taught good stuff, right? Uh, right, right, right. But they, yeah, they were missing the boat on who it was that John the Baptist said was coming. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to put it into context, uh, even I think it's fair to say even in uh, modern day Jewish circles, there's there's not a denial of uh, Jesus's existence, just a disagreement as to the level of, of importance. Yeah. Uh, so um, this it's a similar kind of uh, scenario in that, um, you know, uh, John the Baptist followers. Uh, uh, put him on a level of importance that uh, early Christians, you know, certainly don't deny his existence, but disagree with uh, with uh, um, who he necessarily was. Who John and... the Baptist was? Yeah. Okay. Right. Because right. Correct. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I that's think... that's me. Sort of getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, just, I think you're overstating it a little bit. It, oh, sure, 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 sure. Because obviously Christ is Christ being the Messiah or not the Messiah is very different than John the Baptist being uh, the prophet uh, or or not, uh, I think, not I, the... Go ahead. Yeah, I think everyone, more or less, I mean, obviously if I say everyone I'm wrong because someone was bound to disagree. But I think everyone, for the most part, agreed who John the Baptist was and what his role was. The disagreement mm. was whether or not that role foretold the coming of the person of Jesus who became who uh, Jesus Christ the Messiah, or should the followers of John the Baptist keep waiting for the person that right. John the Baptist was foretelling. And so that waiting continued, like I said, for at least a few hundred years by mm -hmm. uh, admittedly an increasingly smaller and smaller group. Uh, but it, it persisted. And that's one of the reasons mm. the Gospel of John goes into pretty strong detail and puts in these quotes from John the Baptist saying, no, you know, basically, don't follow me, follow that guy. I mean, he, there's actually right. a scene um, that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago for St. Andrew's Day of when Jesus calls Andrew it says Andrew had been a follower of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, oh, there's the guy. I mean, it says, there's the one I was talking about. <laughs> Follow him. Right. Right. So that that's a verse that the followers of John the Baptist in the years and years after the resurrection of Jesus said, no, <laughs> we didn't hear him right. say that. Right. And, and I, I think uh, uh, skepticism is, is always warranted when... Yeah. 
uh, you know that an author has specific motives for certain things. Right. Uh, and and in, in this case, I think it's uh, uh, pretty undeniable that John did have a specific point of view that he wanted to perpetuate and uh, uh, in some cases maybe uh, um, um, eh, no, it, I, I, he didn't really necessarily create any of these ideas. He's just perpetu- perpetuating them and leaning on them and trying to make them uh, a little bit more strong. Uh, well, breathe, uh, breathe fresh life into them is what I would say. I mean, because he, okay. he, yeah. he literally quotes Isaiah and other prophets and so he's, he's right. bringing people back to what they'd already been taught but it repeatedly set aside. Right. So, yeah, did John the Baptist actually say these quotes? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Well, there's one of the interesting things in in terms of the quoting Isaiah, that's pretty, I think that occurs in all four Gospels. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, in that way, we can be relatively confident that that was the the technique and the core of, of john the baptist's message sure 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 yeah uh, much more likely that he was saying uh to a degree hey don't put too much attention on me i'm not he, he wasn't garnering uh um uh, attention and power for himself that was that was definitely not his does not appear to be his right um um his intention um yeah i mean you don't... but whether or not he goes through the laundry list of who he is not does kind of seem like it might have been inserted there <laughs> after the fact <laughs> seems very specific like right. hey just you know for the purposes of our exact situation 90 years later are you <laughs> this person no <laughs> oh okay thank you for clearing that up yeah. 90 years later <laughs> Yeah, and in and yeah, all four gospels have something about John the Baptist saying, "There's one I'm baptizing with water. There's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes mm-hmm. says and with fire." So early on, we know, you know, I think Mark um, that for at least thirty years before the writing of John gospel this was in the air this was in the teachings of christianity but yeah in the gospel of john it really gets amplified yeah it it, yeah it it definitely does uh and and of course all of that conversation is is uh kind of beside the point as to the reason why it's chosen for true advent this is we really went down the rabbit hole (laughs) we did we really did uh this is this is uh, preparation uh this is this is making uh, making way for for Christ's appearance here on Christmas, uh, and um, preparing our, uh, us for uh, the arrival uh, lectionarily uh, of the Messiah. So, well, and um, not just lectionarily, though. That I love oh, that sorry, new yes. term. Uh, <laughs> yes, the term I just made up. Yeah, the age old term that I just created. Right, <laughs> uh, but also the opening of the individual's hearts and the Christian community's hearts to the awareness in new ways of how God is present with us all. Mm. So Hmm. so part, so Advent has really three levels at, I mean, 
three major levels of meaning and well beyond three where there's a recognition of the coming of the end of time we had those in the mm-hmm. earlier sundays there's mm-hmm. the recognition of the coming of jesus being born into the world roughly two thousand years ago and then the third is the renewal of our own spirituality are being plural plural as well as individual uh, which the season of Christmas allows quite nicely for us to experience. Mm-hmm. So part of this mm-hmm. is saying there's someone greater than I coming. That that's right. That's a time where we're allowed to quote John the Baptist about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, for for the I, I can only speak for myself, but there are. There are lots of people greater than me. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a ton. Uh, so be on the lookout for, for that. It won't be hard to identify them because uh, they're everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but uh, any, anything else? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and me too. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say, and, and you want to pile on? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I want to join you in the there's so many people greater than I see. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, anything else about this uh, this gospel reading? I mean, we're getting close. It's uh, uh, the one who is coming yeah. is, is near. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what comes out in the sermon this week. Yeah, since it's me, yeah. I mean, I'll see what, what happens. <laughs> A lot of food for thought. Yeah, uh, uh, see, see uh, this this is why you listen to the podcast to see the 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 spark uh, of of. Uh, inspiration of, uh, inspiration for for, for or, the or misdirection the <laughs> or misdirection <laughs> you can you can you can see later on on sunday like oh that's where he went wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well with that i think we will close yes. out our podcast for the third Sunday of Advent, December 13th, uh, in the unholy year of our Lord 2020. Uh, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, as mentioned, uh, the, uh, the YouTube channel will house our uh, church service. Uh, it starts, uh, it'll be up Saturday afternoon at four. Uh, and uh, there's a nine o'clock Facebook watch party. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, on. Sunday so morning. Our... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Nine o'clock AM on Sunday morning. Uh, the watch party, uh, a lot of things going on. So visit our website at hfec.org. Um, and, uh, um, look <laughs> hopefully later on today for the St. Nicholas video to be up on that uh, channel <laughs> as well. Um, so, uh, or it might already be out there by the time you, uh, you get a chance to listen to this. So, um, but, uh, um, enjoy the rest of the week we look forward to uh, worshiping with you in whatever way that we can and uh until then i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you next week bye-bye bye